0: Dear listeners, and welcome to another thought-provoking episode of Christianity Unmasked. Today, we delve into an age-old question that has stirred the hearts and minds of theologians, scholars, and even laypeople for centuries, and that is, can we trust the Apostle Paul? Now, for those of you unfamiliar with Christian history, Paul, also known as Tarsus, stands as a towering figure in the New Testament. His writings, which span a significant portion of the New Testament, have shaped Christian thought doctrine and church practices for nearly two millennia. But as pivotal as he is, Paul is also, perhaps, one of the most debated figures within Christian circles. And here's why his authenticity matters. If we were to remove or doubt Paul's contributions, it would drastically alter the landscape of Christian theology. I remember a personal experience that brought this question to the forefront for me. A lot of skeptics would always bring up the fact that a lot of the New Testament is heavily influenced by the Apostle Paul. Who never even met Jesus in the first place? And for the longest time, that question had always made me wonder if the New Testament truly is reliable, as well as the fact when I read Paul's writings within the New Testament, they always seemed a lot more radical than what was taught by Jesus and the rest of his disciples. For the longest time, trying to reconcile these perceived differences between the Apostle Paul, And the Gospel was definitely a frustrating experience for me. So, whether you're a seasoned theologian or someone just starting your journey of understanding, today's topic promises to offer rich insights, and perhaps, more questions, let's dive in. Now, before we can even start to talk about if we can trust Paul, it is prudent that we must first know who the man himself was, Paul, originally known as Saul of Tarsus, is a figure whose life and teachings have left an indelible mark on the trajectory of Christianity. Born in the cosmopolitan city of Tarsus, in modern-day Turkey, Saul belonged to a devout Jewish family, a lineage that traced its roots all the way back to the tribe of Benjamin. The city of Tarsus was renowned for its cultural and educational vigor, making it a crucial hub in the ancient world. Saul was not just a Jew by religion, but also a Roman citizen by birthright, a duality that would significantly shape his interactions. And perspectives in later years. His early education and upbringing were deeply rooted in Jewish traditions. Under the tutelage of the famed Pharisee Gamaliel, Saul imbibed the teachings of the Torah, becoming well versed in the intricacies of Jewish law and thought. This Pharisaic background played a significant role in his initial opposition to Christianity. To Saul, the nascent Christian movement, which proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah, appeared as a significant threat to traditional Jewish beliefs. His fervent commitment to preserving Jewish teachings led him to become one of the most zealous persecutors of early Christians. Acts 8-3 tells us Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. This vigorous opposition, however, was soon to undergo a dramatic transformation, turning Saul, the persecutor, into Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. One of the most transformative moments in Christian history unfolds in Acts 9, when Saul of Tarsus encounters the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. Intent on rooting out followers of the way, Saul had secured letters from the high priest in Jerusalem, granting him the authority to arrest any Christians he found in Damascus. However, as he approached the city, a sudden, blinding light from heaven surrounded him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? When Saul asks who is speaking, the voice responds, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Stricken blind by this encounter, Saul is led by his companions into Damascus. For three days, he neither ate nor drank, remaining in this state until a devout disciple named Ananias, following a vision from the Lord, bravely approached him, laying hands on Saul, Ananias prayed, and instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, restoring his sight. This profound, personal encounter with the risen Christ transformed Saul from a fervent persecutor of the church to one of its most passionate advocates, prompting him to adopt the name Paul, as a testament to his new life. The significance of Paul's conversion cannot be overstated for the early church. First and foremost, it provided the church with an unexpected champion, a learned, eloquent, and zealous advocate. His transformation stood as a powerful testimony to the authenticity and power of the Christian message. If someone as opposed to the faith as Saul could be turned around so dramatically, it sent a strong message to both believers and skeptics alike about the transformative power of the risen Christ. Furthermore, Paul's dual identity as both a Jew and a Roman citizen uniquely positioned him to bridge the cultural and religious gaps of the day, helping to spread the gospel to both Jews and Gentiles across the Roman Empire. His conversion, thus, was not just a personal redemption, but a pivotal moment that would shape the course of Christian evangelism and theology for centuries to come. Paul's contributions to the New Testament are both profound and extensive. Out of the 27 books in the New Testament, Paul is traditionally believed to have authored 13 epistles, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. While there's ongoing scholarly debate about the authorship of some of these letters, there's no doubt that the ones penned by Paul have had a lasting influence on Christian thought. His writings, often taking the form of letters to specific communities or individuals, address both theological concepts and practical applications of the Christian faith, Paul articulated core Christian doctrines such as the nature of sin, justification by faith, the role of the law, and the significance of the resurrection. His epistle to the Romans, in particular, is often considered a theological masterpiece laying out the foundations of Christian soteriology. But beyond the theological, Paul's writings also provided guidance on church governance, ethical behavior, and interpersonal relationships among believers. His words in 1 Corinthians 13 on the nature of love, or his counsel in Philippians on joy, And contentment have comforted and guided believers for centuries. Paul's influence on early Christian theology and the formation of the New Testament was paramount. His letters were among the earliest Christian documents, predating even the Gospels. As such, they played a critical role in shaping the beliefs, practices, and self-understanding of early Christian communities. Furthermore, when the canon of the New Testament was being formed, Paul's epistles were among the first to be recognized and included, attesting to their widespread acceptance an authority. In essence, Paul's writings didn't just reflect Christian thought, they helped to shape it. His profound theological insights, combined with his pastoral concern, ensured that his letters became foundational texts, guiding the Christian Church's faith and practice through its formative years and beyond. Paul, for all his profound influence, was not without controversies. His relationship with the other apostles, particularly the original disciples of Jesus, was, to put it this way, not always smooth. In the early days following his conversion, many Christians were understandably wary of him, given his past as a fervent persecutor of the Church. His apostolic authority was also a matter of contention. Unlike the original disciples, Paul hadn't been a direct follower of Jesus during his earthly ministry. However, Paul consistently argued that his apostolic calling was genuine, having been commissioned directly by the risen Christ. There's the notable confrontation between Paul and Peter and Antioch, as recounted in Galatians 2. Paul openly rebuked Peter for withdrawing from Gentile believers, accusing him of hypocrisy. This incident highlighted the tensions that sometimes existed between Paul's mission to the Gentiles and the more Judaic-oriented followers of Jesus. Paul's teachings on women have also been a subject of debate. Passages like 1 Corinthians 14.34, where he instructs women to remain silent in churches, and 1 Timothy 2.12, where he says he doesn't permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man, have been contentious interpretations vary, with some viewing Paul as reflecting the patriarchal norms of his time, while others argue that these verses need to be understood in their specific cultural and situational contexts. Paul's teachings on the law were revolutionary and stirred much debate. He argued that faith in Christ, rather than adherence to the Jewish law, was the pathway to righteousness, a perspective that many Judean Christians found hard to accept. His letters, especially Romans and Galatians, delve deeply into this issue, presenting a theology of grace over works. Throughout history, theologians and scholars have had mixed views on Paul. While figures like Augustine and Martin Luther revered Paul and drew heavily from his writings, others were more critical. Friedrich Nietzsche, for instance, viewed Paul's emphasis on faith and grace as a negation of life and vitality. Some modern theologians critique Paul's teachings as being overly Hellenistic or divergent from Jesus's original teachings. In all, while Paul's contributions to Christian theology are undeniable, his teachings and perspectives have been and continue to be interrogated, debated, and reinterpreted as believers across ages seek to understand and apply them in ever-changing contexts. One of the most compelling arguments in favor of Paul's authenticity and the trustworthiness of his teachings is the consistency we find throughout his letters, despite addressing diverse communities with unique challenges and issues, there's a coherent theological thread in Paul's epistles. His emphasis on faith, grace, the centrality of Christ's resurrection, and the transformative power of the Holy Spirit is unwavering. This consistency suggests not only a clear and genuine understanding of his own teachings, but also an alignment with the central themes of the wider New Testament. Moreover, Paul's willingness to suffer for his belief stands as a testament to his sincerity and commitment. From facing physical harm, enduring imprisonments, and confronting societal ostracization to ultimately being martyred for his faith, Paul's journey post-conversion was far from easy. As he notes in 2 Corinthians 11, he faced beatings, shipwrecks, hunger, and countless other perils. Someone with insincere or ulterior motives would likely not endure such hardships. Paul's sufferings underscore the depth of his convictions and his genuine belief in the gospel message. Furthermore, while Paul's relationship with some early Christian leaders had moments of tension, there were clear affirmations of his role, and teachings from others in the early church. The Jerusalem Council, as described in Acts 15, essentially endorsed Paul's mission to the Gentiles, accepting his view that non-Jewish converts did not need to follow the entirety of the Jewish law. Additionally, Peter, in his second epistle, acknowledges Paul's writings as Scripture and affirms the wisdom given to him, even while noting that some of Paul's teachings are hard to understand. This recognition from a pillar of the early church further solidifies Paul's genuine and recognized role in the propagation and development of early Christian theology. At the heart of the discourse about Paul lies a broader, more fundamental question, how do we trust ancient sources? Across history, scholars and seekers alike have grappled with determining the authenticity and reliability of ancient texts, whether they are religious scriptures, historical accounts, or philosophical treatises. With the passage of time, the original contexts fade, the oral traditions that might have surrounded written accounts are lost, and we're left with documents that require a mix of scholarly rigour, and, often, a leap of faith. Determining the authenticity of ancient sources typically involves a combination of textual criticism, archaeological evidence, and corroboration with other historical records. For religious texts, there's an added layer of doctrinal consistency in alignment with core tenets. In the case of Paul's letters, textual critics examine manuscript evidence, linguistic styles, and historical context to gauge authenticity. But even with all the academic tools at our disposal, there are still elements of uncertainty, gaps that can't be bridged by empirical evidence alone. This is where personal faith and spiritual discernment come into play. For many believers, trust in religious texts, including Paul's epistles, isn't derived solely from academic validation, but from personal encounters and revelations. The teachings resonate, inspire, and transform. They feel the truths of these texts in their lived experiences and personal spiritual journeys. This personal faith doesn't negate the need for scholarly inquiry, but complements it, providing a holistic approach to understanding ancient sources. In essence, trusting ancient sources, especially religious ones, becomes an interplay between intellectual exploration and spiritual discernment. The head and the heart, together, guide us in navigating the rich tapestry of ancient wisdom, helping us discern what to embrace, what to question, and how to incorporate these teachings into our modern lives. As with many figures from antiquity, the Apostle Paul has been the subject of renewed scrutiny and interpretation in modern times. Contemporary theologians and biblical scholars often approach Paul through lenses that factor in new archaeological findings, advances in historical methodologies, and evolving theological paradigms. One significant trend in modern Poland scholarship is the new perspective on Paul, initiated by scholars like Ed Parish Sander and later developed by Nicholas Thomas Wrighthan and James Douglas Grant Dunn. This approach reevaluates the traditional Protestant understanding of Paul's teachings on justification by faith. Instead of viewing Paul's critiques as primarily against the legalism of Judaism, the new perspective posits that Paul was more concerned with addressing issues of ethnic boundaries. And the inclusion of Gentiles in the early Christian community. Another modern exploration revolves around Paul's socio-political context. Scholars like Neil Eliot and Richard Horsley have delved into how Paul's teachings might have been subversive critiques of the Roman Empire, emphasizing the revolutionary nature of declaring Jesus as Lord in a context where Caesar was Lord. The role of women in Paul's writings also remains a hotbed of contemporary debate. While traditional interpretations often cite Paul, As advocating for the subordination of women, modern feminist theologians and scholars such as Elizabeth Schussler-Fjorns argue that Paul's teachings, when understood in their socio-cultural context, can be seen as more egalitarian and supportive of women in leadership roles within the church. Furthermore, interdisciplinary approaches, combining insights from sociology, linguistics, and cultural studies, have enriched our understanding of Paul's world, shedding light on how early Christian communities might have interacted with and been influenced by the broader Greco-Roman culture. In summary, the modern perspective on Paul is multifaceted and vibrant. While his core teachings remain central to Christian theology, the nuances, applications, and interpretations are ever-evolving, ensuring that the study of this ancient apostle remains as dynamic. And relevant as ever in our contemporary age. I do think that the reason a lot of people object to Paul's writings, particularly the book of Timothy, mainly has to do with his rather strict and authoritative upbringing when he was a Jew. As was mentioned, Paul very much was always trained to carefully and zealously pass on authoritative Jewish traditions. When he became a Christian, he changed to passing on authoritative Christian traditions quite zealously. I believe a lot of his teachings were going off of what he had studied from the teachings of Jesus in his earthly ministry he simply was carrying them on rather than inventing new ones. I personally believe that a lot of the skepticism towards Paul's writings mainly stem from whether you believe that Paul received divine revelation or not. The evidence is clear that Paul's teachings do line up with what is taught in the Gospel, and his teachings at the time were endorsed by various other authorities, such as the Jerusalem Council, as well as the fact that he willingly was martyred for his beliefs. So I believe that the content of his teachings is hard to dismiss as being inconsistent, with the Gospel, so I believe the only rational argument we are left with is whether he received divine revelation from Christ or not. Dear listeners, as we wrap up today's exploration into the life, teachings, and enduring legacy of the Apostle Paul, I encourage you all to approach his letters with a spirit of curiosity and openness. Whether you're a seasoned theologian, a casual reader, or someone newly introduced to these texts, there's always something fresh, profound, and transformative waiting to be discovered in Paul's writings. I'd love to hear your thoughts, reflections, and personal experiences related to Paul. Have there been moments when his words resonated deeply with you, or times when you grappled with understanding his perspective? Please share with us as these conversations enrich and deepen our collective journey of faith and understanding. Thank you for joining us on Christianity Unmasked.